generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. All right, let's go. Genesis chapter 11 uh, from verse 1. I want us to read this together because it's a very profound text. Genesis 11 from verse 1. Can we read from the count, uh, the count of 1, 2, 3? And, and so what we're going to do, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 9. But please read intentionally. Follow from your heart and with your spirit. This is very profound. Let's go. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as the journey from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shina. And they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down. And they confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad. This is an interesting story, isn't it? Very interesting story. Father, we just thank you for light and life and revelation and truth, strength, wisdom. We do not just ask for wisdom. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we absorb the spiritual nutrients. We grow in this truth. We're established in your heart. We flow in your grace. And we operate in the fullness of your mercy. In Jesus' name we have prayed. It's a very interesting story because it has so many components that are captivating. One of them is this. This is happening right after there had been a flood on the earth. Remember the flood? What had happened was that certain giants uh, were emerging on the earth. And these giants were not actually just natural giants. They were perverted giants because the word says that the sons of God, in other words, angels, began to have interactions and dealings with humans. And so one of the major things there was that there was a pollution or a contamination of what God intended. Whenever God has an agenda, the devil will either try to dilute the cardinal component or to pollute it. He'll try to weaken your resolve, weaken your commitment, dilute your affection, dilute your commitment. Or if he cannot weaken or dilute it, he will try to do what? Pollute it. Now, pollution or dilution reduces the value of anything. If oil is diluted with water, are you going to pay the same price for it? Talk to me, somebody. What's going to happen? You're going to ask for something 
else. You're going to discount it. You're going to discard it. So one of the ways to be discarded, if you will, in a certain phase of God's agenda, God's work, is to allow contamination or pollution or dilution to come into it. Look at somebody say, you've got to stay pure. I love the energy from that side. Can I get the same from this side? So God said, I'm going to wipe this out. I'm going to start afresh. I'm going to pick somebody's name is Noah. The word says that Noah found grace in the sight of God. And that Noah was different. Noah was separate. And that's the calling upon our lives. We're not called to mix with other people. When I say mix, I'm not saying don't interact. In other words, to pick up their ways, to learn their ways. We're called to be different. As a matter of fact, the name for the word church, or rather the word for the uh, expression church, is ecclesia. And ecclesia means what? Called out. Drawn out. God did not call us to look like what he called us out of. God did not call us to look like what he called us out of. God did not call us to reproduce what he liberated us from. He called us to be different so we can be empowered to go and liberate other people. So look at somebody say, it's okay they don't understand you. It's okay. It's okay if they feel like you sing too loud and you shout too much. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's okay if they feel your own is too much. It's okay if they feel why you live in Yanokbaja by 5.30 and driving past 226 and a half churches. Don't ask me what the half church is. It's okay. It's okay, come on somebody, that you don't have money, but you still took a taxify this morning to get here in good enough time. It's okay that everybody at home thinks you're crazy because you're not going to the kind of church that you were raised in. Come on somebody. Somebody. It's okay that you're wearing trousers and preaching the gospel. And folks are wondering, are you saved at all? It's okay. Daniel, so you're a fine boy, but you know how to worship Jesus. And your friends are like, let's go to the club. Let's go to the pub. And you tell them, I'm not a cub. I'm a lion. It's okay. It's okay. High five somebody. Tell that person, it's okay. They don't get you. God already gave you permission to be different. He said, for you are a chosen generation. In other words, there were options, but God chose you. God picked you. God moved you. And even though you had a nasty past, he does not dilute your great future. Because when God chooses you, the other options cannot hold you back. When God chooses you, condemnation can hold you back. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes Angry, but in Christ sometimes feeling lustful but in Christ sometimes uh, mood swings but in Christ sometimes not knowing where to turn but in Christ sometimes double-minded but still in Christ because part of the mind is still the mind of Christ I feel the glory of God high five somebody say it's okay it's okay it's okay It's okay. We're called to be different. And that difference is supposed to reproduce the order of God. The kingdom of God. The culture of God. You cannot help people if you are exactly like them. 
One of the ways to help the poor is not to be poor yourself. So one of the ways to help the sinner is not to be sinful yourself. Oh God, I don't want to shake too many tables, right? But, but there's a generation of people who dress a certain way, they spend time on YouTube, and they wear things that they call book tubes. But, but certain things are being revealed because they want to keep abreast with the goings on of society. How can you help the naked if you're naked yourself? I'm a preacher. <laughs> so God called man and said, let them, let us make them in our image and after our likeness. And yes, let them have what? Dominion. Now, God wiped out that perverted generation, then erased a man called Noah. Can you imagine how Noah felt when he was the only one on earth? Whenever it feels like you're the only one in a certain space, it possibly means God is going to use you to establish a new order. When it feels like you're the only person saying these things, giving this way, dancing this way, praying this way, making certain sacrifices that don't make sense, come on somebody, going to minister in places without sending them an invoice. Could it be possible that God is using you to set a new God said to me a while ago, he said, when you don't see any of your kind, it does not mean that there is none of your kind. It sometimes means that you're first of your kind. Blew my mind, blew my mind, blew my mind. When you don't see any of your kind, it does not always mean there is none of your kind. It often means you are the first of your kind. That means Noah, when you step out of the ark, you're not coming out by yourself. There is Shem, there is Ham, and there is Jephthah. Now never be afraid of starting with few people because from Noah, God still populated the world. From Noah, God still filled the earth. From Noah, God still changed the entire surface of the earth. I find somebody and tell him uh, God is starting something new with you. So where do we find the story? The Bible says that in the days of Noah, after the days of Noah, as the generations were brought forth, a mighty man arose. His name was called Nimrod. Somebody say Nimrod. Nimrod. Not Rim Pacific, Nimrod. <laughs> Nimrod. The word calls him a mighty hunter before the Lord. But Bible history actually says it wasn't just the hunter. He was a brutal dictator. He was like the first uh, tyrant. He was the progenitor of tyranny. He, he was the person who began what you might call today the corporate structure that eventually enslaves so many people. So he rallies people around and that's not a problem. God doesn't have a problem with that because the word says that they said to themselves let us make a, a city. The issue was not the let us. The issue was not uh, they're coming together. The issue was their motive. <laughs> Why? Because when God said, let us, 
What did God say? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And what should happen? Let them have. So what we're making is for them. But in the days of Nimrod and Tower of Babel, what they were making was for who? Themselves. So God's plan was gather so you can fill the earth. So you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about generations. You're thinking about nations. You're thinking about other people. So when you want to write a book, God has no problem with the book you're writing. But it can't just be so it can be popular. Oh, can, I, can somebody talk to me? But because there is a message that somebody needs to hear. God doesn't have an issue with building, but the issue was they were building vertically when God said they should spread horizontally. So sometimes the issue is not the project. It is the motive. So two people can build exactly the same thing. One is accepted, the other one is rejected. Because the Bible says a man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Somebody say it's about the heart. Isn't that interesting? Genesis chapter 11 verse 1, down in the Bible says, Now the whole earth had one language. Can you imagine how much smoother business would be? If you were going to China, I didn't have to be able to speak Mandarin. Oh, come on, people. If you are going to the north for NYSE. <laughs> Sanu, Sanu, Sanu. San <laughs> you understand? Some of you are just, oh my goodness, some people, some people get in 2022, it's fine. My guitar, my guitar, my guitar, my guitar, my guitar. Imagine how much time, watch this, has been wasted over the years because we don't understand one another. A lot of things are lost in translation. Ever done an exercise of the training before, Chinese whispers? Where you whisper something to somebody here, the person whispers somebody, and by the time you get to the 15th or 30th person, the message is entirely The first message was, clap for me. The one that got back to you was, slap my face. The message. God wanted unity. God's plan is unity. God's plan is integration. God's plan is togetherness. But guess what God did? God scattered people who were united because their hearts were not in the right place. In other words, God can even trouble unity if it sees rebellion in it. And so some relationships that look perfect can become troubled. Because the relationship is united. But God is saying this unity will lead you into domestic violence. Three years from now. And so God tells you, know, it's easy to break up with people when there is fight. And acrimony. But some of you, God will ask you to leave things that are relatively peaceful. Oh, come and talk to me. 
And so some of you, to even legitimize your decision, you try to provoke a fight. So that I will be able to explain. Am I talking? Happens with Miss Jason. Jason led us in worship this man. Amazing, amazing stuff. So the issue was not that they said, let us, because they said exactly what God did, but the issue was their hearts. And the Bible says, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Now watch this. These were people that were not exposed to any kind of modern technology. They had no factory. The industrial revolution had not happened. Come on, somebody. The industrial revolution had not happened. There was no machinery. There was no concrete. There was no cement. There was no cement mixer. There was no grinding machine. No block building or block baking uh, equipment. But they already had something in mind. Do you know why? Because unity can help you see beyond your times. Unity can help you see what people in your generation will not see. When there is unity in a space, when there is unity in your heart, your vision becomes clearer. You are not seeing double. You are not hesitant. You are not wishy-washy, jelly-jawed, lily-livered, spaghetti, spined. You are aligned because there is unity. How many look at somebody and slap them a double high five till their plant palms begin to blush and tell them there is power in unity. I love that, but you can do it better. Look for somebody else who's got some hot palms. Slap them till their temperature goes fever high. And it's getting real violent now. And tell them, tell them there's power in unity. Somebody's like fever bow. I five somebody say there is power in unity. They said, let us make bricks. Do you know the next time we find bricks in the Bible? In the Egyptian civilization. That was hundreds of years later. So before the Egyptian civilization, they were tapping into something. Somebody, because God is uniting your heart today, you will bring inventions from another generation into this generation. You don't hear what I just said? Lumi, you better get ready. Do you know there are things in photography that nobody's thinking about, nobody's talking about? We're talking about printing 3D. How about capturing 3D pictures? We've seen things in Madame Tussauds, but you better get ready because there might be a holographic dimension to photography. There might be something you haven't seen before. Before there was any kind of infrastructure for what they had in mind, their mind began to create it. I proclaim concerning you, every area where your mind has been shut down where you've had difficulty in thinking about the future in conceiving ideas from the world to come I proclaim that the barricade is removed your heart is united and you begin to pull things into the earth realm if you believe it let your amen resound like thunder they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar you know what asphalt is? Asphalt is what you use to tar the road. Are you getting that? Where do you get it? You have to dig deep. How do you dig deep? With equipment. They had no such equipment. But when there is unity, you can bring things from the depths that nobody can see on the surface. I dare you to become united in your heart. 
God said I should announce to this house that many of us are living way below our prophecy our possibility and our potential and it's because many of us internally we are divided but I dare you to get united I dare you to serve God from your heart and not just from your head I dare you to be aligned with the word of God I dare you to be in tune with the spirit you will be shocked who am I talking to you will be shocked at what is going to come out of you this is Genesis chapter 11 not Exodus chapter 3 this is not we're not talking about Deuteronomy we're talking about the very beginning there was no scientist no explorer no geologist there was no geophysicist where did they find asphalt from because when there is a united people they start dreaming bigger than themselves they start dreaming bigger than what the small community can be but start dreaming bigger than what you can see on the surface I proclaim concerning you the asphalt in your life that has been buried that is below the surface you will begin to discover it you will begin to find it the creative innovations ideas inventions possibilities you begin to find them in the name of Jesus and the word says <laughs> that when they were united God said what did God say what does the word say it says give me God's verse but the Lord came down to see unity attracts divine presence there are certain things you're running after but you're running scattered and so when you're running scattered those things are running away from you they're not in your space but if you can align your heart and your mind with the promises and the purposes of God, you will attract manifestations. Now, now what's the Bible saying the Lord came? Isn't God everywhere? Yeah. Isn't God everywhere? Yeah. It's omnipresent, isn't it? Yeah. David said, if I make my bed in hell, are you there or not? Yeah. That's the omnipresence of God, not his active attention. Whenever you see the Lord came, he's not saying that God was not there before. He's saying that the active engagement of the divine essence came into that space. These guys were not praying in the Holy Ghost, but God came down. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. These guys were not dancing up a storm, but God came down. We love G-Force, we love Sultan and the crew and Michael and everybody and Lamedy and everybody. But they were not even rocking it, but the rock of ages showed up. There was no music. I wanted to think about this. There was no high tension intercessory calisthenics. I wanted to grasp this. There was no seed sowing. Now, those things are important. But what the word says here is that the unity of a people got God's attention. Could it be possible that something you've been desperately praying about, and I will never downplay the place of prayer, something you've been desperately praying about will only respond to you getting your life together. Somebody say unite. unite. The unite is Y-O-U-N-I-T-E. You. 
night, you come together as a unit. The word says that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of God had built. Tell me, sons of God? Some of you have traveled to Singapore. You've traveled to Hong Kong. You've traveled to the UAE. Have you seen what the sons of men have built? Talk to me, somebody. In those countries, do they pray as much as we pray in Nigeria? Because a prayerless people who are united will build bigger things than prayerful people who are divided. There is power in unity. That's why, don't forget, even when you want to pray, the devil tries to distract you. Because yeah. it does not matter why it's a robo, 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 tazan, tazan, tazan. Lehi, nehi, Naruto, Ruto, Ruto. It doesn't matter how you roll your tongues. If your heart is divided, the prayer is like water leaking out of a broken cistern. And so there is no virtue. That's why the virtue of prayer is not just in the intensity of your tongues. It's in the unity of your heart and mind with the word of God. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. Why? He wants you to be focused and not be distracted by who's wearing what, who's looking how. Let my husband be like him. Because division will give you external pictures. And you will juxtapose the external pictures and call it divine promise. For some people, your prayer point is the remixed version of other people's testimonies. But God wants to give you an imprint from heaven. A word from God. Said, look to your father Abraham. I called him how? Alone. Alone. Look at somebody say, we have to get united. Look at that person eyeball to eyeball. If you can spare a moment from writing your note, eyeball to eyeball, and tell that person, get united. God came down to see. God came down to see. What did God say? And the Lord said, so the Lord didn't just see, the Lord said, indeed, the people are. Isn't it interesting? Watch this. Genesis 11 verse 1 says, Now all the earth had one language and one and one speech. So there were one in language and one in Was that what God got attention? No. What God got attention? In action. So saying I agree with you does not mean I agree with you. Yeah. Come on, people. I, I, can I just come where you are? Yeah. Where were you before? Yeah. This is like this man does astral travel. Some of us, we are united in our language but not in our deeds. Yeah. 
So you confess, the Lord is my provider. I shall not want. But every time there's a financial need in your life, your deed is to call somebody for financial support. So you're one in language, but you're not one in? Talk to me, somebody. You're not one indeed. Oh God, you're my healer, you're my Rafa. Jehovah Rafa, you're my healer. Remix. Right? And the first sign of discomfort, the pharmacist becomes your healer. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Please do your due diligence. But I'm saying that there are times in your life, in fact, as a believer, critical moments should direct you, first of all, to God, what are you saying? And so there are many of us who are united in our words, but we are divided in our... Come on, tell me. Indeed. And so what does it say? They are one and they all have one. Do you know that if we are one indeed and we have different languages, we'll still do so much better? Than being divided and speaking one language? That you can speak one language, but you're divided. Let me give you a, a picture. Nigeria has so many tribes. But a lot of people, you know, once you, are, once you look light, you can say you're Igbo. Any fair, fair skin, light skin? Tell all your name is Nifemi. Say Nife. Nifemi. Nife. Right? That's what they think. So, north, east, west. Now, in the eastern region of Nigeria, is everybody in agreement? Talk to me. Who are the people that disagree with who, generally? The village people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, it's, it's a common thing. The, the Igbo people will say that the Igbo people, they don't have a king. So everybody's doing his own thing. You cannot bring everybody. You can't bring everybody together. They are, they are divided. Do, do you see that? Yoruba people. Do all the Yoruba people agree? So the fact that you wear a label does not mean your heart is united. Are you following this? It's extremely important. Let me show you something real quick from the book of Mark chapter 3 verse 25. Mark 3, 25. I need to run. Mark 3. Uh, I'll take it from verse 20 real quick. Then the multitude, you can help us with that media. We'll come back to Genesis 11. Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. As disciples couldn't eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub. That's the prince of demons, the ruler of demons. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. So Jesus called them to himself. And what does Jesus say? Jesus said, what did he say? How can Satan cast out Satan? Wait, wait, let's, let's listen to this. How can Satan. Satan cast out? Is he rebuking the devil or sort of like commending the principle that he works by? 
commending a principle that he works by. He's saying that Satan cannot cast out Satan. Now, some of you now understand this. Toy, come help me. Oye, come help me. If Toy has a, a demon spirit, she doesn't. But if she had a demon spirit, and this is a believer, if this believer is walking in the full consciousness of redemptive rights, can she cast the demon out? If Satan comes and he's saying to her, remember what you did last summer, can she cast out that demon? Can she cast out that demon? Will she cast out that demon? So Satan can use condemnation to obstruct inheritance. That's why Hebrew says, come how? Boldly before the throne of grace. Why? There is therefore when? This is why the enemy works overtime to keep tempting the believer. The sin does not reverse the salvation, but it robs him of confidence. So that Satan cannot cast out Satan. All right. Now, what's the next thing it says? If a kingdom is divided against, that kingdom cannot stand. Help me here. Does it say if a rich kingdom is divided? If a poor kingdom is divided? If an old, talk to me, kingdom is divided? If a troubled kingdom is divided? If any kingdom is divided, that kingdom shall not stand and a house that is divided against itself that house cannot stand Matthew 12 explains the same principle he says if a city is divided against itself the city cannot stand now first Corinthians 6 says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and Matthew 5 says you're the city of God set upon a hill that cannot be hidden that means that if you are divided you cannot stand and you know what happens to a lot of people how do we know you cannot stand? Because you say things like, I can't stand it. Come on, people. Wherein the Bible says the love endures. Where are your voices right now? Love endures all things. He says that if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. What is even saying that the termination of the devil's kingdom is going to be a united church that forces division in the camps of hell. This is the way we will defeat demonic powers. But do you know what the devil wants us to do, LT come? What the devil wants us to do is that he wants me to be so busy and engrossed uh, in attacking her that I don't see Sultan stealing from her. And Sultan is the devil. He can pick things from behind her because I'm so engrossed fighting her that I can't fight for her. You can't fight for people if you're fighting them. Come on. You didn't hear what I just said? You can't effectively wage war on people's behalf if you think they are your enemy. So the enemy wants you to think God is your enemy so that you can fight him. He wants to think your husband is your enemy, your wife is your enemy, your pastor is your enemy, your congregant is your enemy, your boss is your enemy.
enemy so that you are too engrossed fighting to notice what the devil is taking away but that devil has lost this battle over your life you are no longer engrossed in the back and forth you are united what we are going to do is that we are not fighting one another we are fighting together we are facing the same enemy we are bringing you down we are knocking you out of this house out of our marriage out of this environment in the name of Jesus get right, right here <laughs> come on somebody I proclaim concerning you you are going to stand is the devil that will not stand in your life I said you will stand you will stand you will stand you will stand that battle is not going to destroy you will rise united I uh, high five your neighbor say I will stand will stand so he wants to divide my heart please be seated he wants to divide my heart I'm gonna race through this very quickly what are the signs of a divided divided heart how do I know the enemy is struggling really hard to divide my heart number one double-mindedness James chapter 1 verse 8 it says a double-minded man is on stable in all his ways you can write it down we've got yeah double mindedness you can take a screenshot or some or a screenshot <laughs> of the slide number two a divided heart is easily enticed things trip you so easily you are focusing on one thing some say ah let's start a more business so I, I made five million last year in my mind. They didn't add that part. But said in my mind. I said, ah, it's true. Agbaluma business. So next thing you went to register Agbaluma Enterprises. <laughs> Number three, easily seduced. Because a divided heart is not together. See, a divided heart will not stay within the safe zone of healthy admir admiration it will trespass into the dangerous grass of lust a united heart is going to see somebody that they like and say I admire that person a divided heart is going to move from admiration to desire to affection to obsession to impregnation Abortion? God forbid. But are you getting this? Because the loser things are, the more easily they can be pulled apart. Number three, easily ensnared. Because it has no robust, are you here? No solidity. Number five, easily discouraged. Because the heart is not together. Number six, mood swings. Number seven, indecisive. Now, this is not, let me just mention this. This is not an indictment or anything. This is to let you know what's going on in your heart. And in your life. So that you can know what to do about it. Are you following this? Now, let me even tell you something. A divided heart is not an inheritance. What I mean is that you don't have it permanently. This one's heart is divided. No. You can go through a season in your life where your heart becomes divided because things begin to pull on you. Things begin to pull on you. 
In fact, I believe that everybody is going to get into a place where they will be tempted with a divided heart. Jesus was tempted with a divided heart at the most crucial part of his destiny. Let me tell you something. A divided heart is one of the enemy's biggest strategies when you're on the precipice of your next dimension. So just when you're about to commit to that business and you've made up your mind, somebody will come with one Solomon wise idea. So why not? And God allows that to test the loyalty. Oh, come on, people. How do I know? Sister, do you remember what happened? You know what happened? <laughs> to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was about to throw himself fully into the prophetic proclamation, determination, the predetermined counsel of God. Do you know what came out of his mouth? God. If it's your will, let this. Have you ever heard Jesus say something like that? Did you ever see him say that? At the precipice of the greatest moment of his earthly ministry. Somebody, you're going through a lot of tension and division right now because you're on the edge of something that will change your life forever. It says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Number eight, when a heart is divided, there will be struggles to commit for long. Get bored. <laughs> Whilst you're there, you're not there. Whilst you're there, you can't wait to leave there because you're not really there. Some of you are looking so serious about here. Are your hearts divided? <laughs> are you following this? You're there, but you're not there. And, and waste time, right? Because if Nifemi strays in her mind, as I'm speaking to her, and I say, do you understand? She'll be like, eh, 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 and I say, eh, 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 eh. So she wastes time. So when you are in a place, but you're not in the place, you've actually lost place in that place. And you're losing space and time. Number nine. Lacks tenacity. Low attention span. And number 10 is a fair weather thing. A divided heart is always in let's see how it goes mood. Let's see. I'm still watching. Like a bird watcher. <laughs> but a heart that is united seeks the purposes of God. And follows through on it regardless of the consequences. And following God many times has consequences. Yeah. So the enemy tries his best. Let me wrap this up so I can build, build it in a second service. The enemy tries his best to divide us. How does he try to divide us? He does not try to divide a marriage. Watch this. By dividing the marriage. He tries to divide the marriage by dividing the heart of one person in the marriage. Yeah. This is why most cases of divorce are traceable to cheating because cheating means <laughs> that a heart had already gone astray the body only caught up with it uh, am I teaching this one because as a man thinks in his heart not the way he's tempted to 
He said, you can be tempted to think and not think. You can think as if you are not thinking. <laughs> so is he. Why? Because a divided heart will divide a united marriage. Divided hearts divide hearts. So a divided heart that goes a whoring or a cheating divides the marriage and divides the heart of the other parts in the marriage. Come on, people. Are you following what I'm saying? So that, watch this, if I cheat against Fidel, <laughs> they will never be married. Never. If, I can't use it. If A cheats against B, and that heart that was divided, watch this, comes back and is repentant. Are you following this? There is still hope for a change. Do you know why? Because if the heart, there's hope. I'm not saying to walk. I'm saying there's hope. And it's a very sensitive thing. Many of you have not found yourselves in it and you will not. And this will help you not to. So you can know what's happening. Because let me tell you something. Your heart will be tempted. You guys didn't say anything. Look at your neighbor. Say you. As spiritual as you look. Your heart will be tempted. Tempted. You, you, won't, you won't respond to it. But, but see this. This is what I'm saying. If the heart comes and is repentant. And this heart is broken. The Bible says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. That means that the heart that was broken. By the heart that was divided, that went cheating, can find healing and strength. And so, are you following this? And so, the unity of that heart can save the marriage. But if a heart is divided and it breaks a heart, you know what has happened? The division of this heart caused division in that heart. What next happens if they are married? A division in the home. What happens? A division in the children. What happens? The children are divided. So division has a catalytic impact. Are you getting this? So when Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord, your God, with how many parts of your heart? Why? Because the moment a part of your heart does not love God, it will go astray. Is somebody getting this? And then you notice the many people who grew up in divided environments deal with many issues. Trust issues. Cynicism. Skepticism about life, about the future, about loyalty, about commitment, about marriage, about themselves. Conflict. Somebody say, unite my heart. The moment God divided their tongues... Why did the division of the tongue lead to division in their lives? Because there is a heart-tongue connection. The same way your heart can unite your tongue, you can use your tongue to unite your heart. With the heart, man believes, but with the mouth, confession. In other words, most heartbreaks come as a result of people using their tongues. Yeah. 
either to speak to you or to speak about you or to do other things that tongues do with you. Come on, people. How are many cases fixed by speaking as well? I, 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 oh, Lord, help me. Is somebody getting this? Let me show you something real quick in them. Psalm 86, verse 11. I'll continue in the second service. Psalm 86. By the way, John 10, 30 says, I and my father are one. Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own accord. <laughs> well, I see my father. Now, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb, Jesus. I'm not stupid. I'm Jesus. I'm the wisdom of God, but I don't do stuff just because I can. <laughs> I don't say it was by me that all things were made. That's why accountability is very important. All right, Psalm 86, very quickly. And this is what David, somebody said David. David, oh. Here's what it said. Teach me your way. Verse 11, from verse 11 to 12. Teach me your way. Can you give it to us, media? Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my. Look at somebody say, man united. Look at somebody say, man get united. Look at a woman. If they're women, please don't call them men. The woman said, woman gets united. Isn't that interesting that the Bible calls you a city? Man city, man united. And look, look, at, look at somebody say, get united. What did David say? He said, Lord, teach me your way, your way, your way, not my way. My way does not need teaching. It's my natural disposition. There is a way I respond to bad news. That's my way. There is a way I respond to difficult situations. For some of us, the way we handle negativity is we shut down, we close up, we go depressed, we don't talk to anybody. Look at someone and say, that's your way. But there is God's way. Now, because God's way does not come natural to you, God's got to teach you. Come on, somebody. Lord, teach me how not to become depressed when things are not working. Lord, teach me how not to go into vengeance mode when somebody speaks against me. Lord, teach me how not to fail or falter. Lord, teach me. Lord, teach me. He says, when you do that, what will happen? Unite my heart. The Lord is uniting your heart. The Lord is uniting your heart. That amen needs encouragement. It's interesting that the first things that men decided to build, they had one language and they had one speech, but God scattered them. But when God got ready to build the church, when God was going to build the church, the Bible says they had many languages, but God still gathered them. In other words, the Tower of Babel was man-made, but the church was God-made. The Tower of Babel was led by Nimrod, but the church of God is led by Jesus. The Tower of Babel had the hunter of men, but the church of Christ had the redeemer of men. The Tower of Babel, they had one language and one speech, but when God was inaugurating the church, the people heard them in different languages. But it was just one message glorifying and praising the Lord. At the Tower of Babel, God's 
scattered the earth. At the upper room, God gathered the church. Higher. At the tower of Babel, God said, let's come down. And when it comes to the church, the Holy Spirit came down with a rushing mighty wind and covered tongues of fire. At the tower of Babel, they couldn't finish it. But the church, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. At the tower of Babel, their hearts were about themselves. In the early church, their hearts were about other people. At the tower of Babel, they failed because God took out unity. But in the early church, their hearts were united and they were not thinking who's rich, who's poor, who's tired, who's weak. Ah, somebody shall we are united. I proclaim concerning your hearts wherever there is division, uncertainty, double-mindedness, receive healing right now in the name of Jesus. Can you open your mouth and begin to pray? Unite my heart. Unite my heart. Unite. Unite. Ah. We can speak different languages and still understand one another. Your style can be different from mine, but we're still united. That's what God did in the early church. Different languages, but one message. The word says that everybody heard them in their language glorifying God. The church has been built to manifest the glory and the power of God, the wisdom of God. That is the calling upon our lives. But you as a person, you must be united. You know why? Divided people divide people. Divided people divide organizations, they divide homes, they divide marriages, they divide nations. But united people have the ministry of reconciliation. The word says he has given us, not me, us, the ministry of reconciliation. Bringing people together, harmonizing. Jesus said, I will liken the kingdom of heaven to a man who throws a net. He says, and he gathers different kinds of fish. We don't all have to be the same kind of fish for us to agree. We don't all have. I've got to close so we can let the second service people in. Can we raise our hands to heaven? Lord, we release ourselves to you, God. We release our hearts to you. Unite our hearts. We don't want to be divided anymore. Our hearts are united, God. Our hearts are bonded, God. You know, some of you, you've been fighting yourself. You yourself, you, you are alone in your room and you're just, you know, fighting yourself. That ceases today. You've heard the expression, I'm second guessing myself. I'm in two minds about it. From today, you will not be in two minds about it. You are not a double-minded man. You are a single-minded man. Your mind comes in alignment with the mind of Christ. You know what shadows are? Daring, come. Shadow. You know what shadows are? This is Daring. That's, That's David. Uh, Daring's shadow. We can't really see, but there's a shadow here. If I'm looking at it, I'm looking at two different things. 
because there's limited light. But if this room was entirely lit, equidistant, entirely lit, there would be no shadows. God has concerned himself with God. There is no variableness. Neither is there any shadow of turning. That's why Jesus said, teach me your way. What is teaching? Light. He said, for your word is a lamp and your commandment is a light. He says, your word is a lamp into my feet and light into my path. So when God teaches me, I know there is no shadow. I proclaim your days of shadows are over. You swim in revelation. You swim in light. In understanding. In Jesus' name we've prayed. If you got something this morning, give God praise for that. generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.